We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast, episode 661 today, as we break down some of the potential breakout stars of the Packers coming into the 2020 NFL season. My name is Mike Willen, alongside me today, Tyler Grezegorek, and joining the crew this week, Brennan Rupp. Uh, Brennan, welcome to the crew. Thanks for joining us, and looking forward to talking to some Packers with you guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Absolutely, and with the season, the offseason kind of slowing down, we get some news that the, the facilities might start opening up on Tuesday, which could always be a very interesting thing, and that means we might be getting closer and closer to actually getting locked into having some football this fall. It's always a great thing. It's time to look at what the Packers roster currently stands at right now and who could be guys that kind of step out. And we came up with seven names, three on offense, four on defense, and some of them are guys whose names we've heard quite a bit. Some of them are guys who are trying to prove themselves in the NFL, and a lot of them have the potential to make some big-time impact for the Packers in 2020 and beyond. But before we even get into that, don't forget to subscribe to the Packaday Podcast wherever podcasts are found, whether it's iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, we will be there, and on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. So I think with that being said, Tyler Brennan, should we just jump right in? You guys ready to go? Always ready, Mike. Let's get to it. All right, sounds good. So let's start on the offensive end of the football. 
We, and no surprise to anyone who's listened to the pot, the podcast for the past year, it is three different pass catchers. That's been seen as one of the biggest needs on the team ever since basically James Jones left, Jerry Nelson retired. We needed some pass catchers, and the first one is the one that uh, that both Tyler and I both thought of, which was Marquez Valdez Scantling. It's well known how well he fa- how much he faded at the end of last season. But when he was healthy and when he was really dialed in early in the season, he was a big-time playmaker. And plus, over the course of the past couple weeks, both Matt LaFleur, Brian Cooding, and Aaron Rodgers have both talked about, also talked about how they're going to really be getting on him and pushing him to take that next step. And that shows that the faith they have in him. And, and I think the fact that they've been mentioning him by name so much means that he's going to get every opportunity, and the tools are there for him to be a playmaker for this team. They most certainly are. He just needs to be more consistent. You know, the I keep going back to the day I actually watched him perform at the Combine on NFL Network, and I, I was actually really impressed with the physical tools that he had to offer for the position, and I really thought he could make a name for himself in the NFL. He just hasn't really seemed to put it all together mentally yet, whatever, you know, whatever that means and however you want to take that, but I, I do think he can take another step. I'm not, I'm not ready to write him off yet. Um, he just needs to become more consistent. And, you know, Devontae Adams had the same problem for the first couple of years of his career. So it's definitely something that can be overcome. He, he needs to – the drops need to be cleaned up. Uh, I think that there's been mental lapses that not, not necessarily that have been made public to us, but I think that they're there and they're present. So just the little things that are really going to go a long way. And the fact that he has Rogers' support in, in all of this really is a big deal. Absolutely. And, and Brennan, kind of going to you with that, what have you seen from MVS, and and how big is it that he does seem to have the support of, of, of Aaron Rodgers already still going into year three? Well, that's the biggest thing, that he has the support of the guy throwing the ball, Aaron Rodgers, who's a guy that some people have said that you have to earn his trust to be able to make an impact on this team. And apparently he has that trust. He, Like you guys mentioned already, he does have that big playability. He came out like gangbusters almost the first couple of weeks of the season. He had that big touchdown against the Broncos. Uh, he made that big play against the Bears. So that big playability is there. He just needs to put it all together and clean up those drops like you guys already mentioned. So all the athletic tool sets are there, so just maybe he's going to take that leap year three. That's what maybe the Brian Gutekunst is banking on. Well, absolutely. And, and Tyler, you made the point of with the Devontae Adams comparison, which has been the comparison a lot of people have made, but James Jones, Jordy Nelson, both kind of were slow their first couple years as well. But I also think the thing is also uh, Jacob Westendorf had a really, really great Twitter thread on Saturday about MVS, and you saw him in that Bears game, on that Monday night game in Detroit, the big play he had against Oakland, and, and a free play against Denver, that he showed that when he's mentally on, he is a deep threat of the highest caliber. But I do think that injury kind of got into his brain a little bit, and it made him think things, and I can't remember who it was, as an analyst who talked about how a 4-4-40 can go to a 4-6 if you're thinking too much on the field. And I think that kind of happened a little bit with MVS. And if he can really kind of shore things up and hopefully a full training camp can help with that, he can really step up along with another fellow receiver from the draft class, and that's Equinemius St. Brown. And uh, we all know the story last year, got hurt in Canada. Uh, He was starting to really show up in that game as well when when he had his ankle injury. But uh, from everything I've seen, high character guy, really athletic, good route runner, and Tyler, you were kind of dialed into him, so what what have you seen from EQ, and what makes you think he could be that breakout guy? I just think he has a lot of the tools that you're looking for in a wide receiver in today's NFL. He's got that, that shiftiness and the suddenness that, honestly, 
you can't teach. And I think that's why I was high on him in, in that draft class as well. Um, unfortunately, I think that there were other concerns with him um, in terms of being able to handle NFL corners and really be a physical presence in that regard. But in terms of uh, run after the catchability, which is the complete fad in the NFL today, he's got it. Equinemia St. Brown has the ability to, to be effective in that area, and I think he can be really good in, in this LaFleur Rogers ran offense. He obviously now, I don't think there's an injury concern yet, but he needs to come back stronger from that ankle injury. Obviously, it was a pretty severe one. I think he maybe might have been able to come back at the end of the year, but um, to save us some speculation there, he, he needs to come back strong from that, and he's going to have his work cut out for him. I think it's really indicative of what the Packers think of the guys they have on the roster already, considering the fact that they did not even add a uh, young, we'll call it stud, pass catcher. They added Devin Funches, I think, but a, a veteran presence was needed in this group, regardless of, of who was there. And I, I think Gutekunst believes in these guys, and I'm, I'm kind of with them. I, I think that EQ can really take a jump this year if he can return strongly from that ankle injury. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing that I'm pretty sure the oldest guy in that room is Jake Kumaro. But then, you, but then you have guys who vertically you have Lazard, EQ, MVS, Funches, all six four, six five. And Brennan, what are your thoughts on on Saint Brown? And everyone talks about that play that he made in Detroit as a rookie. What do you see for his future in twenty twenty? Yeah, look, Tyler already nailed it. He has all the athletic uh, tools, and just like MVS, he has Aaron Rodgers' support. He talked about Aaron Rodgers at that press conference the other day, and talked about EQ specifically. Um, He's got that big playability just like MVS. I think he's even more athletic than MVS. I think he's maybe a little more polished too. So we'll see how he is after this injury. I mean, he came on strong when he was a rookie. He kind of showed some flashes. I think he was going to be in store for a big year this past season, but then he got hurt. So I'm looking forward to seeing him back on the field. And like Tyler already said, I think a big thing is is that they didn't draft a receiver, so this opens the door for them to kind of just grab onto those reps that are going to be available to them. No, Yeah, you guys have both make excellent points. So then we move on to our – third and final offensive breakout guy, and this guy could line up a little bit at receiver, but he'll be more of that tight end, and that's going to be Jay Sternberger. This has been the name that's been bandied about a lot over the past few months, a guy who's going to take over in that Jimmy Graham role. He's expected to make an impact in year two after missing most of his rookie season, and Brennan, you kind of you kind of came up with this one. I guess, what have you seen from Sternberger, and what's, what do you think is his going to be his impact to break out in 2020? I just think he, I mean, obviously, tight end depth chart is Chase Sternberger and just a whole bunch of question marks. Mercedes Lewis is back, but I just think that he has got that playmaking ability that Green Bay hasn't had at tight end since maybe Jared Cook and even more so Jermichael Finley. I think he's going to maybe – it's going to be even crazy to think that he could be the second-leading receiver behind Devontae Adams this, past, this next season. So that's what I've seen from him. I think he's just a dynamic playmaker that they haven't had at the tight end position in quite some time. And, and, and Tyler, I don't mean you have talked about Sternberger a lot. And when we did the tight end uh, draft class breakdown going into the draft with, with, with Jacob as well, uh, what, what do you see from Sternberger and what do you think his future holds? I, I think he's in store for big things in Green Bay. I think that the way – that they want to run this offense is really suited to his skill set. If you if we take a look back at last year, uh, even the year before that, when they were introducing Jimmy Graham, if Jimmy Graham simply completes some of these plays that were presented to him, we're talking about Jimmy Graham in a completely different light. And so I think that Sternberger can be that guy. 
all he has to do is really catch the football. I think that LaFleur and Rodgers are going to put him in a position to succeed as long as he can catch the football and I think control the middle of the field, be possibly a red zone mismatch threat. I think that's honestly what they're looking for from Sternberger, and I, I think that he's really in line for a pretty good year. We'll call it a good year for a tight end. I wouldn't be surprised he's was a top two pass catcher on this team. I think he's guaranteed he's going to be top three in my mind. I think Aaron Jones is probably the only other uh, player on this team that will compete for as many catches as Devontae Adams and Jay Sturmerger, but Devontae Adams is going to blow them out of the water with targets. But the point is, I think that there's really a good role for Sternberger here, and I like the compliment of adding DeGuara um, and having a veteran like a Mercedes Lewis. I like those guys as compliments to Sternberger. And I'm really excited to see how, how they integrate him into the offense this year. The end of the end of the season last year and the playoffs was a really promising sight for him. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you mentioned DeGuar because if he hadn't been drafted, I would have probably brought up Big Bob Tanya as a potential guy on this list as well. But with, with Sternberger, I also like what I've read about some of the interviews he's done. He did a really good profile on The Athletic with Matt Schneidman. Uh, they, went, they talked one-on-one about his training and what he's doing and how he, he was able to recover from last year's injury and stay in the classroom, pick the brains of, of Graham and Lewis, and really kind of learn how to be a professional tight end. And I agree with, agree with you guys. I think he's going to be top two or top three in targets and catches. And there's a good chance he could lead this team in touchdown catches. He He's that good of a red zone threat. He showed it in the playoff game, being able to work back to the football. And there's a guy there who who could be that long-term tight end. That, like you said, they haven't had since Jermichael Finley got hit by Deshaun Gibson. I, I, the the ability of Sternberger to go with Adams and these other tall, crazy, fast receivers could open things up a lot for this Packers offense. And if they all take that step, we're not going to be talking about the, the, the not drafting receiver by this time next year. So with that being said, we move on to the defense. And there's some young guys, especially in the secondary, who we think could be breakdown. But we'll start up front. We'll start in the defensive line. And Brennan, this is one you came up with, and that's Kingsley Kiki. Uh, kind of came out a little bit late last year, but didn't see the field a ton. And it's Tyler and I will talk about him a lot over ever since he got drafted. But Brandon, what do you think of Kiki, and what where do you think he ends up in twenty twenty? Yeah, like you already mentioned, he didn't see a lot of playing time in year one, but when he was on the field, he flashed that potential. He's got that explosive athletic ability. He's got a quick first step. He was somewhat of a bright spot, if you could call it that, in Green Bay's thrashing in the NFC Championship game. I think he had three tackles and a tackle for loss. So just like the tight end position, I think there's just availability there for him to take the next step and be in for a big uh, breakout year in year two. You got Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, and Tyler Lancaster, and that's it. And then you got Kiki, and I think Kiki could maybe come in and be that athletic playmaker up front that could help bolster the interior pass rush, help the porous run defense. So I just think he's going to be in store for a big year, year two. Absolutely, and Tyler, you're, you're pretty well known for your, for your love of Kingsley Kiki. Uh, what do you see in 2020? Uh, I'm, I'm with Brennan there. I, I think that with the added opportunity, uh, there's going to be even brighter flashes for Kingsley Kiki. And I, I just think that he was already – I think he was already pretty NFL-ready in terms of a prospect. I, I think his ceiling is rather limited. Obviously, he, he still needs to kind of get on the field. And the reasons that he wasn't getting on the field in uh, last year, I should say – I don't know. You know, maybe it's the fact that they wanted to make him earn his snaps. It's been a popular popular mantra around Green Bay for a little bit. Um, but there's definitely going to be an opportunity. I think Dean Lowry, Dean Lowry, excuse me, we know exactly what he is. We know exactly what he's going to offer. 
you know, when we get into training camp, I, I fully expect Kingsley Kiki to be getting all these snaps, to be getting all these opportunities to really show what he can provide to this defensive line group because if he can step up alongside of Kenny Clark, then that, that we're talking about a tremendous front four. Now, we, thought, we talked about it last year with Mike Daniels before, before the team moved on from him prior to the preseason, but... This group is this group is lacking that second interior force, and I I really think that if it's not if it's not going to be Kingsley Kiki, it's got to be Rayshon Gary, so that they can slide Zadarius Smith inside on pass rushing situations. Somebody has to step up um, in that group, and Ragutikun's like the wide receivers is really banking on the guys that that he's already invested in to do that. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. It's it's going to have to be one of on the defensive line for sure, either Kingsley Kiki or. Montrevious Adams, who is now on his, really his last chance this year in Green Bay, because I, I like we know, we know what Lowry and Lancaster are. They're they're good blue collar guys, but they're not going to be game changers. The the talent that Kiki possesses as a disruptor is Kenny Clark light. He's he's not going to be as good as Kenny, I don't think, but he's got that ability to get into the backfield and his ability to get off the snap is is really strong and. If if he can step up, if, if Trayvon Hester can come in and make an impact, if if you can get that step from Adams, that means you don't have to rely on Kenny Clark as much. And I think you guys are both spot on with with the potential that Kiki brings, and how he can maybe step up and be that uh, other starting defensive lineman that this team desperately needs to to stand up with with the big guys in the NFC. So as we move back, we now head into the secondary, and we have three names here, and we'll start with with. A guy Tyler thought of, and that's Kadar Holman. Uh, Holman came a little bit, a little bit older, and what a story he is from a guy who didn't play for a couple years in college, was stocking shelves, he was not in school, but then he sent tape everywhere, got a, got a chance at Tulsa, and he really, or Toledo, I think, actually, but he stepped in, and he became a pretty sticky man-to-man quarter, and he looked really, really good in camp last year, but just couldn't quite see the field with, with the continued health of Kevin King, of Jair Alexander, Tremont Williams, uh, Shannon Sullivan stepped up. They all were able to stay on the field, so Holman didn't get too many chances. Tyler, what have you seen from Kadar Holman, and what makes you think he's going to be a guy who can break out this year? Well, first off, I'm going to knock on the good old wood for all, all the injuries you just talked about. Let's hope that that continues. Um, it, I think that, like you said, he, he had a really good showing in camp last year. I think he's tailor-made for what Mike Patton wants to do um, with his corners, which is Throw him on the outside, straight up man to man. Press him up, you know. Put pressure on the quarterback in that way. Put pressure on the wide receivers in that way. I think he's really he's tailor made for that, and I, I really think that this is the best position that Holman could have been put in to succeed. And I, I honestly believe that's why he has a chance to really break out this year as probably a third corner. Um, and this is presuming that one of our other guys that we're going to talk about who needs to break out this year. Presuming that Josh Jackson does not, because if, if Josh Jackson ends up coming into his third year and he ends up really struggling and, and he's still unable to see the field, then there's going to be a problem in that secondary come next year. So I think Holman can step up. I think he can be a serviceable guy. I think he's a guy that we can talk about as a reliable third corner. And if you're getting that out of your sixth round pick, I think that that's fantastic. Absolutely. And, and Brandon, what are your thoughts on Kadar Holman and what, what he brings? Yeah, last year when they drafted him, I really loved the pick. He's a athletic guy. He ran a four three six forty. He's a sticky man to man press corner. He's a physical corner. I just think that I agree. I, I had uh, Holman written down for one of my breakout guys too, but I one of the, another guy in the secondary as well. I think just like the receiver tight end position, there's going to be opportunities for him. 
So I think that he could break out in a big way in year two. No, I'm with you, both you guys. I do think he can. And I think even more, if he doesn't see the field defense, he'll get more action on special teams. He, he's got the potential to be a, a top-notch gunner. He could be like that Jarrett Bush type guy, I think, is his floor, where with the speed and the physical play that he brings, he can be a menace covering punts, and that could help help out J.K. Scott a little bit as well. And Tyler, you brought up Josh Jackson. That was the first thing that came to my head when we thought of this topic. Because I, I feel like, and, and yes, the big thing is he didn't see a ton of the field last year, but I, I remember seeing in the first couple of days of practice, I thought he looked solid, and then he got hurt. And and with, with other guys staying healthy and with guys like Holman and Sullivan stepping up, Jackson just couldn't make up that ground after missing almost the entirety of camp. And I think you, you can't teach those type of ball skills that he has, and I, he, he does need to take the next step as a man-to-man corner. He needs to stop grabbing. But a guy like that, you, you can find a spot for him, I think. And, and I think if he can, if he can show even – a little bit more of what he did from his rookie season when he, I thought he played pretty solidly. He could, he could become that number three guy. He can maybe go outside and maybe play a little bit in the slot and let Jair, uh, Jair Alexander be a little bit more of a chess piece inside, even maybe some Darnell Savage as well, who we'll get to. I, I think the ceiling that Jackson has is higher. And with the balls because he has, he could be a guy who can really make some big time plays that change games this year. Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I love Josh Jackson coming out of Iowa. Like you said, you can't teach his ball skills. He just has to learn, like you said, not to be so grabby. He needs to be better at press man-to-man corner. Um, I think there's even been talks that maybe he can move to safety. I don't know if I see that. I don't know if he's that good of a tackler. But like you said, I think he could be in store for a breakout year. He could be the third corner. He could allow Jair to slide in inside, and he could play on the boundary. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Mike Pettin does with all these missing pe- all these pieces behind Jair and uh, Kevin King. And uh, Tyler, with, with Jermaine Williams out there and doesn't seem like he's going to be brought back, does that give Jackson that in, an inside chance at that third corner right now? Oh, I think it's a free-for-all right now, that third corner spot on this team. Until there's a guy brought in, which they might not, because they honestly don't have a lot of financial resources to do so, uh, they may have to depend on somebody to step up into that role. And, you know, Jackson and Holman, I think, are the two top guys at the corner position. Shannon Sullivan's a guy worth mentioning as well, who could really step up and, and carve out a role and a name for themselves this year. So Josh Jackson is, is really going to have to do that. He's, you know, my concern with him, I think that the reason – I would put him on this list is because there's a necessity for him to break out. I don't know if I'm necessarily a believer in him breaking out. I want to believe. I just I don't think I've seen much improvement from what he offered in college, and I think that's honestly my concern. It's two years that he's only been in the NFL right now. You're going into the third years. Corners typically take longer than a couple of seasons to, to develop into an NFL body, an NFL mind, mindset. So hopefully this is the year where Josh Jackson can start to put it together it's a common theme right now. Gutekunst apparently believes in him. He's still on the roster. You know, he cut he cut ties from Jamon Moore after Jamon Moore struggled. Um, you know, I think it says that it says something that he's still on the roster and that they didn't really add anybody at corner this year. So Josh Jackson needs to break out. And I think that if he can really develop as a tackler, if he can develop mentally, if he can develop as a man-to-man guy, he might be that perfect nickel defender that you've been looking for. Yeah, yeah, you're both guys are absolutely right here, and I agree with you. And and I think going back to Holman, I think Jackson, you know, the showing he showed on special teams late last season helps him out because I think both those guys showed the willingness and and the fearlessness to go be covering kickoffs, covering punts, and and they they showed to be doing whatever it takes for the team to succeed, whatever role they get put in. 
And I know the special teams guys have talked glowingly about those two guys, along with guys like Oren Burks, about how they're willing to do those little things. And I think that helps those guys. It, it gets more attention on them. It lets the coaches see, hey, these guys are doing these little things. Maybe we can give them some more responsibilities and see how they handle it. And though both those guys could be in line for a lot of time this preseason and a chance to really prove themselves. Our last guy is a guy who's locked into a starting spot, but he's still young, and that's Darnell Savage, uh, the starting free safety. And he was a little bit inconsistent last year, battled some injuries, battled some rookie mistakes as far as the angles and some on-the-fly decision-making. But they traded up for him. They know the explosiveness that he has, and Brian Gutekind's talked about maybe moving him into the slot a little bit this year. And, Brendan, this was a guy that you brought up, and what do you think of Savage, and what do you think of their plans for him? Yeah, you kind of talked about some of the stuff already, but uh, he's got that 4-3-6-40. He brings a lot of speed and athleticism to that back end of the secondary. He comes downhill fast and runs support. Like you said, he can come down and play nickel corner if he needs to be. Um, he didn't always take the best pursuit angles. That's something that he's going to have to clean up in year two. Sometimes he missed some tackles as well. But I'm really excited to see his growth in year two, and I think he could really be an explosive playmaker for Mike Penn in that defense in the back end. And Tyler, Tyler, we've talked about Savage before as well. What do you think of, of Darnell, and what do you think What do you think of Brian Gutekind's comments about him him moving into the slot potentially? I, I mean, they're looking clearly, clearly looking for somebody to take over that slot role. I think it's a it's a position and a role that Mike Patton strongly values. Uh, I think ideally for me, Jair Alexander slides into that slot role and he really used him as a chess piece. You know, send him send him off the edge in a blitz if you need to. You just I think you need to get Jair Alexander around the ball as much as possible, and that to me means getting him closer to the ball. So that was that's what I would do, but they clearly view him as an outside corner or maybe a guy that they can move around and, and match up with number one wide receivers. But Darnell Savage, is he was really versatile at Maryland, and he's a guy that I think they saw that ability. Um, I really like some of the things that he did as we'll call him uh, a single high safety because I think that's really how they used him a lot. Um, maybe not his primary role last year, but that's definitely how they used him a lot. They definitely put him over the top and they said, hey, go make plays. I think that they started to give him a little bit more thinking, a little bit more mental responsibility this year, and that could involve moving into the slot. I I would really like to see him in that kind of role because just like Jair Alexander, he's a ball hawk. He's a guy who likes to make plays on the ball. He's he's actually got some some toughness to him as a hitter. He, He can lay the lumber if you give him the opportunity to. There are some in, very interesting pieces on this defense, and, J- and Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage can really be the cornerstone of this secondary for, for the foreseeable future. I, I the t- the tackling and the uh, pursuit angles with Darnell Savage is something that he had a problem with at Maryland, but that's not something that you can't clean up. You can clean that up definitely, and I think with a full NFL offseason with a defensive coordinator with some veterans, I think that's something we could really see drastically improve in 2020 and something that I'm looking for him to improve because that would mean that he's developing. And if, if, if a guy's not developing, then then you have problems. But I really do believe that Darnell Savage will be one of the top playmakers on this defense in 2020. Okay, and that could be the Adrian Amos impact is helping Savage with those pursuit angles and with, with the split-second decision-making. And, and Brennan, I'll go to you as we wrap things up. If Mike Patton does move Savage into the slot, who goes back into his spot at safety? Is it going to be Will Redmond? Is it... Shannon Sullivan, is it Josh Jackson? Who do you think would be that single high safety if they move Savage into the slot more? I think the leading candidate would have to be Shannon Sullivan. I think that he's kind of the guy that came on last year. He played a lot towards the end. I think he was the guy that just came on strong towards the end of the season. I don't 
I'm not one that wants to move Darnell Savage down the nickel corner. I think you want to do that every once in a while, but I just think that weakens the back end of the defense. And I think that, like Tyler said, yes, he's good at get the line of scrimmage closer to the ball. I just don't want to put him back there because I think that weakens the safety position because I don't think Will Redmond, Shannon Sullivan, nothing against those guys. I just don't think they're the answer for safety. I mean, Tyler, ask you the same thing. Yeah, and I don't think Amos can do the same things that Savage can do. Uh, from an athletic standpoint, you know, Amos is a very good safety, don't get me wrong, but Savage can t- cover an entire <laughs> half of the field, and Amos can't do that. Amos is definitely not going to be a liability back there because he's going to play a little bit safer, but Savage can really bail you out sometimes if, if there is a blown coverage on the outside because he has that athletic ability, and maybe, hopefully the instincts and, and the angles are, are soon to follow, but I think he's more of a chess piece, and I think that's what Patton's been looking for, a secondary chess piece that he can move around and do different things with. I do think he has the ability and the talent to do that, and and he's a guy that could slide down in a a pinch and match up with a tight end or or a a really good slot receiver. He's a guy who could match up with those guys, and and then the next play be, be that single high safety. So, We'll see what Patton wants to do. I think it's clear what he wants, and I think they're going to do everything they can to find it this uh, this preseason and uh, the remaining offseason. I agree with you guys 100%. I think you guys are both very spot on. And so there are seven guys who we think could be break breakout guys in 2020 once the season starts, once we get into camp in the preseason. And so with that, we will wrap things up, and Brennan will go to you first. Where can people find you, and what are you working on? Uh, right now, you can find me at Royal underscore Roop on Twitter, and right now I'm basically working on nothing. Uh, I'm not writing for any website or anything, so right now I'm just kind of looking at the 2021 draft because there's no baseball to watch, so that's what I'm doing right now. And Tyler, what are you working on? Uh, so, as always, I'm on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez, T-Y-L-E-R underscore G-R-E-Z. Um, I'm at DynastyNerds.com, um, kind of formulating some Dynasty Fantasy football material. Rookie drafts are going on right now, so that's a fun uh, That's a fun. Thing I guess. Um, speaking of dynasty fantasy football, I've been grabbing every single Jay Sternberger share I can get, so that should tell you exactly how I feel about him this upcoming year. Um, but that's pretty much all I'm working on at the moment, kind of trying to take uh, this time off from sports and really kind of recollect myself. And uh, there was soccer this morning, so I'm starting to kind of ease back into it. But fair enough. And, and you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wendland. Um, right, still writing for Dairyland Express. I'm currently working on a piece. I was part of a group of guys. We did a we did an all time Milwaukee Bucks draft. So I'm currently writing up on that as I went very very old school for most of it. So stay tuned for that coming up in the next week or so. And for that, we will say so again. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Packet A Podcast. Follow all of our great contributors as well who are who will be linked through <coughs> that page. And wherever podcasts are found, whether it's Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, we we're there as well under Packet A Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a, a comment. Let us know how we're doing. And so, for Britta Roop and Tyler Grezegork, this is Mike Wellen saying so long for now. And of course, and as always, Go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.